What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode. Took a little bit of a hiatus, doing a bunch of spring cleaning here around the house. Anyways, got to sit down with Brett Grayson, good buddy of mine, and Andy Milkel, another good buddy. I'm going to go kill that rooster real quick. I'll be right back. Well, now that we're back and the, uh, that rooster's kind of beaten to submission, yeah, get to sit down with these two fine gentlemen and just kind of BS, shoot the shit. It was a lot of fun. Um, man, I'll tell you what, I've tried the flip-flop sauce on damn near everything I can, including vegetables. Whoa. It's pretty damn good. Y'all got to get yourself a bottle. Check it out. Here we go. start with you you want to give us a little introduction about yourself who you are what you do your background <laughs> that's an interesting question what do I do uh, yeah my name's Andy Mokel a lot of folks know me as the flip-flop guy <clears throat> which is a particular way that my grandfather started cooking deer legs back in the late 1950s early 1960s in West Marin and uh, I've just been carrying the torch, which is, I've been doing it for 11 years. 11 years now? Yeah, like 11 years. 11 years on Monday, actually. Holy shit. Uh, and uh, I love to hunt. I love the outdoors. I do anything I can that will make me a dollar. And uh, Anything, <laughs> huh? Anything. <laughs> Eyebrows go up. Right <laughs> <laughs> Anybody watching this knows Andy is laughing their ass off. Right now. <laughs> Do not edit that out. <laughs> Don't edit that out. No. Um, We're gonna take a short pause. Andy needs to make some money. And uh, yeah, man, I just I worked in a warehouse for ten years and got over it. And uh, I'm just really enjoying life and loving living. Cool. Yeah. Brett, what's up, big dog? Who are you? What do you do? Uh, my name's Brett Grayson. I grew up in Marin. Andy and I went to high school together. We um, did. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. When Andy came to high school <laughs> uh, and when I was actually in class, we, we spent time together in high school together. Um, but yeah, my name's Brett Grayson. Grew up in Marin. I spent majority of my life um, focused in the sports world, whether it was playing baseball, coaching, developing kids, uh, teaching, running a baseball academy. And currently I work in real estate investment. And you moved to San Francisco, California. Let's not bring that up. <laughs> Let's not go to the dark place. But yeah, currently... Uh, Currently live in the city. Um, probably one of my bigger regrets in life. The city of the fog. Yeah, the city of... You know what, though? San Francisco was a great place to grow up in the 50s, man. I mean, like, I hear all the great... So your dad has spoken of that so yeah. many times, right? Like, it's it's uh, it's evolved in, in in some way out of necessity and in, in, in some ways uh, to its detriment. But it's... There's a few moments now. Like, I, I work downtown in the financial district and... Uh, I find myself walking the streets when when it's pretty empty. <laughs> it's always empty. <laughs> and, and I'm I'm stuff I'm in I'm it. I'm 
Let like, you know. <laughs> oh, there's a story there. Um, no, now you gotta say it. No, like, don't say it. Uh, <laughs> uh, th- there's moments where I walk through San Francisco and I and I realize how beautiful it is. Uh, for the most part, I, I fucking hate. <laughs> That's going to be hard, man. <laughs> so San Francisco is just beautiful. <laughs> I, I, all right. So Andy's... Andy, I got... This. No, dude. Just leave it as a mystery. Okay, all right. I'll leave it as a mystery. DM me if you want to know the question. <laughs> you want to know what happened. It's going to be... This, the title of this podcast is going to be The Unsolved Mystery featuring Brett Grayson. Oh, man. It's the worst thing ever. I wish I don't know, buddy. All right. So anyways... <clears throat> You have a your family has a serious background mm-hmm. in West Marin and obviously in hunting, right? Because your grandfather was it your grandfather, great grandfather? My grandfather, my mom's dad was the was a game warden, correct? Yeah, cool. yeah, he was a game warden for West Marin. He was also the outdoors columnist for the Marin IJ, and uh, he was uh, he's in the Navy for World War Two, and yeah. Actually, my dad's dad and my mom's dad, they both hunted together, I want to say in the 30s, pre-World War II. So they were buddies long before my parents were ever born. So getting into hunting for you, obviously, was a family tradition. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. um, I mean, some of my first trips, I think either like six months or nine months into my childhood, were hunting trips up to Montana. Sweet. Yeah. And you continue to do that still? I'm moving to Montana because... Yep, San Francisco's a beautiful place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Brett, how'd you get into hunting? Did you have an impact on Brett getting into hunting? How'd that all go? Can I tell a story, Brett? Tell it, please. Okay, I'm actually excited to tell this story too. (laughs) I don't even know the story. You know it because you lived it, Brett. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. So I'm gonna just I'm gonna tell a little bit of Brett's story here, and Brett, chime in anytime you want. Oh, so. I was in my gym here in town, <laughs> which is in Petaluma, and uh, this kid was there. Anyways, we were BSing back and forth, and he started talking about hunting, and long story short, he ended up getting certified for hunter's education, took him on his first hunt, and he posted a story on Instagram, mm-hmm. and you had seen it, mm-hmm. and then... When him and I were coming off the hunt, he called you or you called him, and Brett and I, I took the phone from the kid, because Brett and I, we hadn't really seen each other or talk since high school yeah. at that point, and uh, maybe in passing at like Broadway or some shit like that. Absolutely. Um, and I took the phone, because Brett was saying that he was getting into hunting and wanted to know more about it. So I took the phone and was like, hey... We're going hunting. <laughs> Absolutely. Like 100%. You want to go hunting? We're doing this, and we're doing this fucking together. That was the best news I could ever hear from anybody, um, because it's it's so much of who you know, and, and if you're not fortunate enough to grow up in a family that that is full of, you know, avid hunters and outdoorsmen, right? Like, you... you yeah. You're, you're kind of at a standstill of, like... Well, you get into it, it's so intimidating. 
It absolutely is. The world's is. so huge. I mean, you have people telling you this, people telling you that, and then you look at Cabela's, you look at Bass Pro, and, you know, majority of the time folks don't know that there's other brands, too, that are off-brands and all different kinds of stuff. And You don't know where to start. You don't know where you're wasting money, and you don't know where you should invest your money, yeah. and then uh, so much of, of hunting is location, right? Like, yeah. like where's the honey hole? Like, where is it safe to go? You know, like... Where's the honey hole that you can't tell anybody about, right? Like, are your friends willing you to take you to like their A one spot or, or like it's you just you don't know. So when as soon as I saw uh, our our friend like post Andy, I was like, whoa, wait, what? Like immediately hit him up, yeah. and uh, I'm I'm grateful that that Andy uh, was was so willing to kind of lend a hand and. Uh, no, man, it was more like Brett wasn't really that willing, and I had to force him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll agree. I'll agree to that for sure. No, I totally agree, dude, because, like, I didn't grow up in a hunting background family at all, and, like, my buddies got me into it, duck hunting, and it was, like, the same thing, dude, like, what's this, what's that, best pair of waders, what gun, what ammo, like, all this shit, the shit's intimidating. So what's the best pair of waders? Uh, Sicko waders by far. No way. 100%. Yeah. So most comfortable pair of waders I've ever worn. Yeah. The boot, uh, I think the boot's made from lacrosse. But it is. Phenomenal. Super comfortable. Um, the lifetime warranty, like, I've blown those waders out twice, sent them back to Sitka, no questions asked, got them sent right back. Yeah. They pay shipping both ways. Yeah. Pay for all the repairs. I love them. Like, we went through the whole thing of, like, buying Cabela's waders, <coughs> buying Winchester waders, and do, like, about quarter way, halfway through the season, you blow them out and you look at your buddies and you'd be like, we're fucked. Where are we going to get waders? Because I'm not going to go out there and just stand in the water. I might as well wear fucking board shorts and flip flops out there. You yeah, know what I mean? For sure. So the sicker waders are probably, they're most comfortable. I like them. And yeah, everybody I know that talks anything about waterfowl gear, everybody says Sitka hands down makes the best gear. Mm -hmm. That's the only place that I hear like amazing things about it. Otherwise, I feel like. Uh, the majority of the world, at least the circle of my friends, it's uh, you get laughed out of the room for mentioning anything sick of. But as soon as it goes, peas and carrots, right? Pe peas and carrots. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yep. <laughs> I'm way lost. Apples and oranges. Nope. It's we're there. Yeah. Mm. So you helped Brett get his first archery deer. First deer ever, right? No, I didn't help Brett get his first <laughs> archery deer. Fact, I left this motherfucker that. in the so woods. First of all, and not only did he not, well, he all helped right, me right. by like giving me some guidance and advice, but he definitely left betting surely on the fact that I would not come back. I thought he was deer. lost. And then on top of that, if I did, he bet that I would not be able to freaking gut it or quarter it and I'd so, bring it back to so, camp. So real quick. You, because when you got into you got him into hunting and yeah. everything, you went out, you tried doing your own grind and everything like that, and then you guys linked up to go on a deer hunt, and you left this fucker in the woods. No, there's a couple things that happened before that, but essentially, yeah, there's a. So, but the so the year before that, we had gone out, yeah, and we camped, yes, out at that one spot, yep, which was a really good spot. That was a great spot. That's a great spot, and uh, that was. I mean, like, and I'm not, like, you know, Brett was out of shape. Yeah. Right? That's an understatement. How much heavier were you, do you think? 87 pounds. 80, eight, so 80 pounds heavier, 90 yeah. pounds heavier. Yeah. Right? And I took this guy out, <laughs> and I was like, all right, bro, like, 
you know, this is the area we're going to hunt. This is how to hunt it. You know, there's a trail over here. There's a road a couple miles that way. And, you know, there's a lake over there. You can't get lost. And uh, I think you kind of just chilled at the top of the mountain for the most part that trip. I don't think I ever went farther than maybe two miles from camp. Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> following up, though, the next season, we, we ended up getting together. And I called you. I was leaving sheep camp. Yep. And I was like, hey, was I leaving sheep camp? Yeah, yeah I was leaving, yeah, sheep camp. leaving sheep camp. And I was like, hey, man. I'm on my way up there, and he's and I was like, "Can you meet me up there?" And you're all, uh, "Were you up there that night, or were you up there the next day?" That night, he was up there that night, and was it that day that you killed the deer, or was it the day after that? Was it a couple of days into the hunt? It was, it was the day the day after that. So I I took him to one of my honey holes, where I where I killed that where I killed a deer. Yeah. This past year, I killed a little forky during archery season, and uh, I took. I took Brett and we're going in and I was like, all right. And we're with my buddy, Andrew Bobro. He owns a optics mount company called Bobro engineering and Andrew. Coolest guy. Coolest guy. Yeah, dude. He's gnarly, bro. He's army ranger. First impression was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, I'm like, yo, where are you going to sleep? He's like right here. I'm like, Need a tent? You're like, what are you gonna eat? He pulls like, out a can of beef soup. <laughs> no, he's cuts eat, it open with his knife and just eats it straight out of the can. Denty more beef stew, not heated anything. My man's just going ham in this can. Savage. Yeah. Just like, like, yeah. I'm like, you worried about bears? Nope. <laughs> you My car, bro. Do you want to talk about bears? Like, <laughs> Do you want to talk about bears? So. I send Brett off into the woods and Andrew and I take off to the top of this mountain because we're starting up high. Brett's starting down in the middle. I was pissed about that. I mentioned that. I mean, look at how it worked out for you. I mean, yeah, I mentioned that in your, in your, in like the episode that we recorded with you, but like I was pissed that you guys were like pushing me off. Like here, go handle this kid. Yeah. It, it worked out though. It worked out great. So... I take off, I get up on the top of the mountain, and I'm working the ridge line, and I jump a bucket, I don't know, I think he was at 26 yards when he jumped up and started, started going, and I flung an arrow at him, and I missed him like, the, like nobody's business, headed straight into a tree, I mean he was moving, but whatever, um, and... Anyways, I keep going on my hunt. Andrew and I link up at the end of the hunt, and we cut back to the vehicle, and we wait for like an hour and a half. You had your own car there. Yeah. So we wait for an hour and a half, and Brett didn't show up. So we're like, hey. That's a theme. Brett, yeah. <laughs> tell me about it. We're like, hey, Brett knows where his truck is at. And you had Onyx, right? Yeah, I had Onyx. Oh. He had Onyx. He had Tracker. So he knew where his footsteps yeah. were and the whole deal. And we're like, well, let's go back and get the kayaks and, you know, go fuck off for the afternoon. We'll do an evening hunt. And then, what happened? So I, uh, to go back a step, either the, the, the first day that we hunted that I, there's not much activity. Um, we go up this trail and 
hunt back and it, it wasn't that far mm-hmm. but the plan was that we were going to make a push like he'd be at the bottom and i'd be mid-slope and yeah we just slowly make our way back to where so we not started. like a spot and stock more like a still hunt kind of deal yeah mm-hmm. yeah exactly um and i was so excited and amped up that i think i made it back to the truck in like 45 minutes like if that yeah and i'm reaching out you did that's right yeah and i'm reaching out to andy like yo where where are you and finally you know after calling him and texting him a couple times he's like dog i'm like an hour or two out like i'm like i'm like i don't know where you are but like you you got some time yeah so i'm like oh shit like i I went too fast but i was i was proud of it right because it was just kind of a testament to like the the work i put in and, and the shape i was in at that time um so the next day, when they sent me on my way, the, the plan was go slow. And just, it literally, like... That's right, I told you to slow down today. Yeah, they said yeah. slow down, right? It was just like... like just and by. Go as slow as you can, pretty much, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I made a point to go as slow as I could. And on the way in, I was going so slow that I saw a bedded down uh, doe, and she didn't move, right? Like, it was... And that it was wasn't kind of, like when you and I went hunting and fucking we blew out a couple does and. Uh yeah, that yeah, the, it was it was kind of like that, but it was nothing like that at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of like that, uh, but yeah, I mean it, that's it, that was but that was the the kind of validation I I I kind of needed at the moment that I was, I was taking that feedback and applying it and, and you know navigating through that kind of terrain at the pace that was that was needed so. Anyways, I go out there and, and I kind of get down to this uh, this little water hole and I ended up seeing a cub. And I, I mean, anybody who's been out in the country enough, like <coughs> there's a comfort that comes with being around bears, but there's a respect that's always there. And I think when you haven't spent a lot of time out in the country by yourself, um, it's more uncomfortable than it is familiar. Yeah. And you don't realize how skittish and scared they are probably even more so than deer right like a, a deer will see you and be like what's going on and a bear for the most part will see you and just just you know mm-hmm. cut out so uh so i see a cub and like my heart just freaking starts jumping and um i back up i go up on a rock and i don't know how long i was waiting there but there was this non-stop conversation internally about like should i go should i say should i go should i say and sure enough, when I look up, I see a deer coming up, and it was a buck. And by that point, I had spent so much time on that rock that I knew every yardage of every landmark between me and the path that, that the buck was coming in on. And I mean, before I knew it, I had sent an arrow, and that's when, like, the real, like, just head game started playing, right? It's how long do I wait? Where is it? I'm here. There's no blood. I can't find it, but I'm going to find it. Shit, I can't find it. It's been a long time. And then you just, you kind of default to what you've learned. And I went to the, the lowest, shittiest place I could find. And there it was. Um, so it, it wasn't big, but it was amazing. Still I mean, it was, it was, no, it, was, it, was, it was amazing, right? And the only reason why I referenced the size is that I was able to carry it, carry it out. But like the presence of that bear was in the back of my mind. So I get back to camp. And um, after gutting it and everything, and, and Andy's dad sees me, and he, I mean, 
he was so excited and so <laughs> proud like that. That was like one of the coolest things in the world is that, you know, he's like just seeing the smile on his face, right? Coming back to camp with the deer um, to the point where a, a family friend uh, of, of the Mokels ends up going out on the lake and letting these guys know that I, you know, Brett's back and he's got a deer. And I can only imagine the look on him and Andrew's face. But essentially, these guys... we're are, out on kayaks. Yeah. We're out on kayaks. They mailed it in, stuff. right? Yeah. They mailed it in for the midday, right? They're mm-hmm. just like, yeah, whatever. This guy's lost or he'll be back, whatever. He'll <laughs> He's going to figure way. it out. He'll figure it out, right? Uh, <sighs> and uh, and everybody came back, man. And that was probably one of the coolest the coolest days I've ever spent um, with just like new friends for the most part and just... The, the solidarity, the, the camaraderie of bringing a deer back to camp was kind of the, one of the coolest moments I've had. Yeah. Now, for your first deer, you said it was small. You were able to carry it. Did you yeah. fucking... I mean, you know me. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't killed fucking a deer or yeah. anything. Did you sit there? Did you try to... Did you just gut it and like pretty much throw the whole thing on your back? Or were you like, hey, like I'm just going to fucking try quartering it out? And How did it all go down? Uh, I, th- I think so. So like the... Fear was the motivating factor for why I carried it out, right? Like you throw the thing, you're like, "There's a bear, I'm running." The, I mean, that's literally <laughs> was it. I'll, I'll be honest, that was literally it, right? Like, I, I like the the likelihood of this ever happening is, I've learned it's it's slim to none, and I, I don't. I think Andy said it's never happened to him, and and I don't know anybody, at least not with the black bears that we have in California, that could ever say it's happened to them. Like maybe if we go somewhere else where there's grizzlies, like they might do something, but uh. But my fear was the whole time, like, not knowing where that cub had gone and where mom was, right? Like, there's blood on the ground. Like, like the, the hair on the back of your neck is still sticking up. Like, mm-hmm. where, where, where are the bears, yeah, right? And the just, number yeah. one warning that, that Andrew gave me going in there was, like, I've seen some big bears in here. Mm-hmm. And having gone back, right, like, there are a lot of bears in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it was... Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't big. I mean, it wasn't a comfortable like pack out, but it, 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 you'll see, uh, you've seen pictures of it. it. It just wasn't. It wasn't massive. But once you get everything out, it's it's just a nice little workout. And it wasn't that far. It was maybe what a mile back to the car. Yeah, that. probably right so, around there. Yeah, it was. It was right around a mile. So it was. <coughs> it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad at all. You guys all quartered out and then do a flip flop with it right away. Uh, yeah, the first thing I did, got back, and I was like, Andy, you're taking a leg, and uh, this is going to a flip-flop for sure. Fuck yeah. So that was, the, that was just like my thank you, and uh, just paying respect to everybody that was there, and, and I don't know, did we did we cook any that night? No. no I don't think we cooked any no, that no, night. No, 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 no. There's, uh, there's no shortage of meat in the, the Mokul family. Um, yeah, we love to cook. They, yeah, love to cook, but there's no shortage of, of deer or any other kind of meat, especially in camp, so... They didn't need it, um, but yeah, that was it, man. That's killer, dude. Yeah, that was a fun night. It's a very fun night. It's a fun day. So about the flip flop. Okay. Let's get into it. Well, Brett, what was it like for you your first time experiencing a flip flop? When things get hyped up, uh, seldom do they actually meet expectations, mm-hmm. and. Even more rare is the hype that actually exceeds expectations, right? <laughs> uh, and the flip-flop, like, the first time, I mean, I don't know a cut of any meat that tastes better or can be prepared in a way that's just more enjoyable than the flip-flop. Yeah. Like, so much so that, like, I hyped everybody else up on it. 
And when I had the first chance to do my own, um, which I'm sure I screwed up something along the way, uh, everybody who was, uh, everybody was skeptical about trying, you well, know, especially because it's wild game too. Yeah, that's in not a lot. If you don't grow up in a in a household, and I actually learned that my both of my grandfathers hunted a lot before I had the chance to ever join or hang out with them. Um, one of my grandfathers passed before I was born, and the other, uh, he he hunted before I was born. So uh, for my for my 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 family to to try that and experience it was was something that to see the smile on their faces when they tried it. It was the same exact reaction I had when I tried the first one up at camp. I mean, it's it's amazing. It's hard to screw up, and uh, it's worth every bit of it. It's actually enjoyable to be on the grill the whole time. Mm-hmm. You would think that like it's nice. It's it's fun, man. Because I do it. Yeah, every like everybody's coming at you with a smile, right? Like mm-hmm. like it's it, there. We get some more of that. Yeah, like, exactly. It's 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 fulfilling. It's, and it's actually, <laughs> Fulfill, fulfillment is the right word, one hundred percent. Right, because like you're you're proud of what if you're fortunate enough to have harvested that that to have killed a deer to kill you know to kill the deer and, and and had that opportunity, but then to share it in that way is so intimate and it's so good and like it's usually new for everybody, right? Um, it's it's rewarding for sure. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so kind of like, I guess what Brett is saying, you know, um, it's funny for me who who, I've had it in my family for 70 years, um, or, you know, 60 plus years, whatever, if you want to get technical. And all I know my whole life is... Every summer we're doing flip-flops, abalone feeds, salmon feeds, striper feeds, sturgeon, halibut, you know what I mean? Like duck, you name it. That's all I grew up on, right? So for me, the flip-flop was never, I mean, we always just loved it, but, you know, it never was past that. Yeah. And... I remember, I couldn't remember what time, what times I should say, you know, where I'll start it up and there'll be a vegan that's present and a vegan will be like, okay, I got, I got to try this really? because yeah, or a vegetarian because everybody that's enjoying it and all, everybody that's all eating it yeah, is loving it so much and enjoying it so much. They're like, I, I need to try this. Like, this is too primal. This is too, this is too real of an experience on how meat should be eaten. It's a whole other level of cooking, and it's it another level of wild game too. It is one hundred percent. And you know, I would I cooked for a chef by the name of Neil Fraser and Jet Tilla and 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 another one of their buddies, two other of their buddies, and I remember when I cooked for them. It was funny. I pulled out, you know, I had their sides, their plates were made up, and they're sitting around the campfire wondering, you know, like, what, uh, what, what's the meat? Why is the meat not on the grill? And I pulled out a 12-pound blacktail leg, and all four of these guys looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> and these are like Iron Chef winners. You know what I mean? Like, they're no joke chefs 
getting it done and and you know they all look at me like what the well, fuck's going on this guy just fucked up our whole night and anyways throw the leg on the grill cut the first slice off and I fed it to Jet and Jet's jaw dropped through his seat he just he was so amazed he'd never had meat like that you know same with the rest of the guys and that's kind of been the experience for me with everybody, including everybody in the hunting world, um, who's had it and who's trying it and who's enjoying it and who's loving it. There's, I've yet to meet a person who hasn't enjoyed it. You know, there's so, there's so much to it. Uh, let me see if I can. <clears throat> the other day, and I won't mention who it is, but uh, the other day it was. Uh, a buddy of mine's fiance hit me up and was like, Hey man, if you want me to do a story on what you do, I'd be happy to help promote your business. Doing a flip flop was one of the most amazing and truly wholesome things I've ever done. I'd be happy to share my experience, even on my page. If that's something that I could give back to you or yeah, something I could give back to you, what you have to me and my memories in life. Um, you have no idea what the experience doing what you did, doing what so did for my soul. God, that's terrible at reading. Um, I will try to find the words and put them into a video. Truly, thank you. Um, To get a message like that from someone, um, which I have received, you know, a couple thousand times, a lot of messages, you know, in that regard. But every time I get it, man, it's like almost a spiritual experience for me, you know, and I don't want to say that I always took it for granted my whole life, but, you know, getting to share it and that person doesn't hunt. You know, they, they don't eat wild game, but they do now. And they've experienced that whole thing. And they, they want to hunt. Yeah. And they want to kill their own animals so they can do that and share it with their friends. And that, for me, is kind of what it is all about. Um, you know, I've been a hunter's education instructor for the state of California for a lot of years. Um, and I've worked way before I was doing anything on social media for a long time on recruiting hunters and bringing new hunters mm-hmm. and taking new hunters out. That's, you know, been a goal of mine since like 2013 prior. I mean, even more before that, um, doing it was what started me on my path to get into hunters education and then getting hunters education gave me the ability to reach so many more, excuse me, new hunters. Um, but for me, what, is so wonderful about the flip-flop experience for non-hunters is that it's converting non-hunters into people that want to hunt so they can share the experience and the tradition and bring it into their life with their family and friends. And that is like, how do you respond to that? And at the very least, if they don't want to get into it, and I think this could be even more powerful, they go from people who are... Because the... Non-hunters are divided into anti-hunters, mm-hmm. people that are indifferent, 
mm-hmm. right? And then anywhere along between those two on the spectrum, right? Yep. Uh, and then, yeah, it, it, you find a lot of people that are anti-hunters. Because they don't know anything about it. Because they don't know any better, yeah. right? They don't, they don't realize that, like... Ignorance. It's ignorance, right? Like, part. it's the, the title of trophy hunting has such a negative connotation to it. If it is, and has been thir- so think, thoroughly advertised. Yeah, and I think that's such a like misconstrued concept by the majority of society is a trophy hunter, mm-hmm. right? Because your first species. I'll tell you what, straight first, up, right now, like I'm a fucking trophy hunter. I mean, I'll kill a small deer. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care, but I am a trophy hunter. When yeah. I am in the woods, I am looking for the oldest, most mature buck that I can lay my eyes on, or one that fits within reason that I want to kill. Yeah. You know what I mean, and that's. That's the way that it is, but it's not what is advertised, which is I go out there, I kill the biggest animal I can find, I cut its head off and leave with the head. Yeah, I mean... Exactly. And that's, and that's what people who don't know any better fill in the blanks to, to be exactly that. It's, it's not using all the meat. It's not... There's no intimacy to it, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's no you're not going to use the entire carcass in some way and it's not going to have this trickle down effect where it's going to touch so many people in so many different ways mm-hmm. and the flip flop does exactly that right it, it it takes people who would otherwise have no connection with the hunting community and brings them in to the most it it i don't, i got to assume it it's blindsiding right mm-hmm. like you go from either a not knowing what it is or not expecting it to be as cool and as awesome as it is. And then you start realizing that like there is something deep and somewhat spiritual, right? Like anytime you break bread with somebody, it's awesome, right? Anytime you break bread with somebody and it's a story behind it and there is work that's put into it and it's an animal that was killed, harvested by a friend or a friend of a friend and there's a story behind all of that, like that connects you to your meal. And then so many of our meals, right? Like there's no connection to it, right? Like Uber Eats, fast food, the the local mom and pop restaurant. Those are great. It's filling, it's 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 satisfying, but the, the flip flop just goes it goes beyond that, right? Well it's an entire experience. It is. It is. And it tastes like a hug from the inside when you eat it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it did it does though. So. <laughs> dude, so I've yet to have a flip flop with a venison leg or anything. But I'll tell you what, you know that day we met up and I got a bunch of bottles of sauce yeah. from you is for the past four, six to four weeks, I think, or if past Whatever. couple weekends, I've been having people coming over and I've been doing two tri-tips every Friday mm-hmm. and I've been marinating them in the private reserve and the spicy reserve. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and dude, the look those guys give me on just a basic tri-tip with yeah. the sauce fucking amazing yeah they're like it's the best damn thing like almost similar to like what you just said yeah it's a hug from the inside well something else that you can do too instead of marinating it is like you could salt and pepper your steak cook it smoke it however you're gonna do it and then just give everybody a dipping dish yep and you can just dip with a fork each little slice of meat and get that fresh flavor pop yeah because you you told me to do try that with the spicy reserve. Yeah. And that's what I did. Yeah. You know, I would marinate them for, I don't know, four hours, bring them up room temperature, throw them on the Weber. Boom. There you go. But then, hey, here, if you want some, you know, try some. Here's the private reserve. Here's the spicy reserve. Yeah. The spicy reserve is my favorite. Yeah. I used it last night. I made pork chops last night. You made night. some bomb ass looking pork chops, bro. Those things were, those are things were 
thick. Is that what you posted on the gram? Yeah, those were like really good. They were, <laughs> yeah. they were thick. This dude, this dude cooks. Dude. I know. This dude cooks. Man, you know, it's uh. Brett's it's barbecue. That's fine. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's uh, the, the the sauce makes it easy, man. It makes it easy. Yeah. So when it comes to that sauce, right? That's a uh, that's almost a concentrate in the bottle itself, right? It is. Two is it is, is two. right? Okay, yeah. Let's talk about that for a minute because there's so much confusion for a lot of people. You know, a lot of people approach it. This is my approach, right? So every time that I've cooked a deer leg, my whole life, I'm looking at eighty bucks to make a batch or more. Every time I'm gonna cook a leg, right? So what my intent was when I made the sauce was to make a thick sauce that was going to cost about half as much of what it cost me to do one leg if I'm making everything from scratch, right? Um, so essentially, you'll get both your bottles if you're doing a flip-flop, and then you'll take that bottle and you'll double it. Every bottle is worth two. So when someone sees that $19.99 price... You can double it with um, uh, balsamic. You can double it with wine. Wine is my favorite to yeah, double it red with. Red wine for sure. Red wine. You know, I like. I really like to use a Zinfandel. Okay. Seven Deadly Zins is my favorite. That's like my go-to every time I can. Or uh, if I don't feel like spending, you know, it's twenty bucks a bottle. If I don't feel like spending that, I'll uh, I'll get a bottle of uh, like Ravenswood Zinfandel, and that's like a six ninety nine a bottle. Um, much more cost effective for cooking, but I don't drink, right? So for me, I'll spend twenty bucks and cook with it. I don't give a shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. <clears throat> but um, yeah, so the every every single bottle is worth two. So people will scoff at the price and they'll be like, "Man, I can't buy that." The other thing about every single bottle. So I started this adventure into trying to package the product in 2017 or 18 um and the difficult part about it was the mixing equipment you know in the vat when it was being dispersed into the bottles wasn't doing equal proportions for every single bottle every bottle was different than the next. It seems like it's a very meticulous, like you it have is. to make sure there's a good balance of all the ingredients. So every single bottle is hand filled one at a time in a state of the art facility um, because that's how much of a pain in the ass I am when it comes to the sauce and making sure that the sauce is made right. Because you want to give people a premium product. 100%. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah, 100%. So you know, that kind of, is, it is what it is, and I'm fine with it being that way, you know. Um, we'll see how my manufacturer feels as sales continue to rise and everything continues to go up. But, um, yeah, man, the sauce, it's, it's an old family recipe. It's been in the family since, as far as I know, since my grandfather started doing it. Um, and, uh, you know, before I decided, I made the decision to start doing this, I met with my mom and my dad and my dad's best friend who was also best friends with my grandparents. He's a Marin County fire chief for a long time. Um, and his wife. And I was like, you know, is this okay? You know, would, would grandpa be okay with me going on this adventure or would he want me to not? 
and it was unanimous that he would absolutely be okay with me going on this adventure. Um, so I dove in. And now you also have the private reserve is essentially the first. It's the flagship product. Yep. yep. And then the spicy reserve, like we talked about, and it's not spicy as shit. It's like you said, it's just got a small little bite to it. In the beginning, in the beginning, yep. it, and it's not crazy. It's not at all. So it's it's pretty much the same sauce. Um, it just has heat to it. Right, and I really wanted to add that option, but I wanted to add that option, and not burn people out of their mouth, because I know for me, like, and I mean, like, I'll mess around with Dave's Insanity sauce, like, I don't care, but ninety nine point nine percent of people don't want Dave's Insanity sauce in their macaroni. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's where I like it the best. Yeah. But uh, you know, so I sat down and and came up with the right recipe in order to get it there and I feel like I nailed it uh, you, you nailed it because I who was it was it uh Joe and I we were able to taste it before it before it kind of came out right and mm -hmm. and I, I'll never forget uh I didn't know like it, it's it's one of those things that you kind of leave good enough alone mm -hmm. right like and, and I'm I'm not the the, the authority on what should or shouldn't be done with flip-flop sauce, right? I mean, I still don't even know what's in it. You, you can taste it and guess, but you'll fuck, you'll never know. <laughs> My uh, favorite shit is when people sideline me and quarterback, and they try to tell me what's in it and what's this and what's that. Dude, he'll never tell you, dude. Like it, all of this I shit. mean, there's a couple things that, like, it's obvious that are in there. Like, okay, there's some garlic in there. Like, okay. And you're like, there's this, and he just starts laughing. And you're like, wait, does that mean it's in there? Does that mean it's not? <laughs> He's such a shithead. So anyway, so so he goes, yeah, dude, got this spicy, you know. And I'm like, uh, like why? Like why? Like why would you do that? Um, just let people heat it up on their own. And then you taste, and you're like, now I know why you did that. No, I mean it makes sense, right? Like yeah. you, it's it's uh, I mean it's great. You can't go wrong with either one. I like them both for different reasons. Yeah. I like the, I'm, yeah, I like them both. I, I'm obsessed with the spicy reserve. That's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I it's like, good. I like, dude, yeah. on waterfowl, like, yeah. Holy shit. Well, so we've used this recipe and we talked about yeah. this when we met up that day in a parking lot. Uh, we've used this recipe on all wild game our entire lives, right? And I mean, I, I could break down the, do you want me to break down the way to cook a duck with it? Yeah, so for the listeners, I mean, obviously... It's a waterfowl podcast. Yeah, well, typically my audience is going to be waterfowlers, mm -hmm. and I've tried a shit ton of marinades, dude, and like you and I talked, was one of my favorite birds to cook is an oven-roasted speck, mm -hmm. man, and I did the spicy reserve on an oven-roasted speck, and I was mm -hmm. fucking blown away. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, I didn't do like you said, so for the listeners real quick, Andy, can you give us a rundown as to how you would prepare... Let's a say duck. a speck or a duck. Um, so for me, I've always done, you know, I've I, I baked everything in the oven always, right? And we've never had smoke problems cooking ducks. A lot of folks, so for me, like I said, I grew up in that. Yeah. Right? So a lot of folks have always had smoke problems when they're cooking ducks. So I take a pan and I layer the bottom of that pan with rock salt and I put in a raised grate 
that's in there, um, you know, uh, to put the ducks on. So I'll do that first. I'll prep my pan, get that, I'll get the oven going to 450. Um, then I'll get whatever I'm putting inside the duck, right? Because I stuff every single duck I cook. So I'll stuff it with potatoes, carrots, celery, onions, all this stuff. Apples, I really love to do like cinnamon apples and put them in there. Hmm. Um, but what I'll do when I'm doing that is I'll take all those, I'll take all that stuff that I'm putting in the duck and I'll put like two to four ounces of sauce in a bowl with everything and I'll toss it and then I'll stuff everything inside the duck. Right. And this isn't like a spatchcocked bird or anything like that. This is a whole. This plug. is a whole duck. Yep. You know, you're just going right inside. And uh, right in the pocket. And right there. Yeah, with your fist. And uh, Anything for a dollar, huh? Anything for a dollar. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. Uh, so then I'll take it, right? And I'll, I'll, you know, base the bird or, you know, whatever you want to say. I'll put a nice coat over the entire top side of the bird. Um, and... After that, some salt and some pepper, you know, and I'll usually do four ducks at a time because I got a whole, you know, usually there's more than one person eating. Throw the ducks in the oven at like 450, cook them anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes, you know, obviously just checking them, making sure they're good and making sure they don't dry out because that's fucking terrifying when I got a dry duck. Um, you like your duck, like a lot of, a lot of my buddies like them. Like medium rare, like their steaks. I like them a little bit more well done. I like them right about medium. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, we'll serve that and everybody, right? Everybody puts it on their plate. You pull all the insides out. You know, there's your stuff and you got a salad. And then really what we've done our whole lives is we just eat the bird whole. It's like a corn on the cob. You know what I mean? And, and. If that's not delicious, then I don't know what to tell people, you know. But that's how I do it when I cook ducks. I don't waterfowl hunt a whole lot. Um, I only will agree to waterfowl hunt if there's no sweat line, if there's guaranteed birds, and it's not going to be an issue because... Sounds like private land, flooded corn. Um, I'm just... No, I mean, somewhere in the sink. Yeah. You know, where it probably cost a quarter million or more for just entrance mm -hmm. into the club. Yep. Um, those are the kind of places where private ponds, stuff like that. But then you get to see the birds in their natural environment. Mm -hmm. And this is why I want to I wanna take Fred out there is because when you're out, like, I don't hunt the sink. I hunt refuges and I have a I will not line. do a sweat line. Mm -hmm. But when you get to see birds move in the, like natural environment with none of the sweat line bullshit mm -hmm. no other public land hunters. all right so wait it's pause because i'm gonna pretend like i know what you guys are talking about <laughs> but like for the sake of like having like a baseline common knowledge the f what the hell okay. is a sweat line here's there's there's three ways to get into a wildlife refuge in the state of california um this might pertain to other guys as well in different states is that you have a lottery system which is for reservations so before prior to the hunt day two week or two weeks prior to the hunt day you can buy like a lottery ticket with a number mm -hmm. if you get drawn woohoo you're going in for sure you can do a nightly lottery the night before the hunt day 
or you could pretty much stand there and wait for people to trickle out and then they refill the refuge. And there have been days I have stood there all fucking day. And not gotten And in. not gotten on. <laughs> yeah, that's a no for me, dog. So, <laughs> I don't love it enough to do any of that. So, so I understand what Andy's saying. Is if I go, I want it like, line, throw out the red carpet, make sure I'm warm and cozy. <laughs> and uh, give Would me a little... get it though? Like, give, me, give me a little heater in the freaking blind. Like, and, if, uh, if I'm going to go kill a myself... A good dog. A good dog that's going to go out there. And like, dude, no offense to the guys that are roughing it and doing it. You know what I mean? Like, good on you, bro, because you got more more balls when it comes to ducks than I do. But if I'm going to go do some crazy shit like that, like I'm going to start hiking up a mountain at three in the morning and by sunrise, I'll have climbed 4,000 feet and five miles and be ready to kill a bull or a, or a buck. Not to go in a, on a tangent, right? But like, I genuinely think that conditions that you're willing to endure are, are a reflection of like, what it is that you expect to get out of it. Mm -hmm. Like the perfect example for me recently was I bought a new snowboard like maybe two years ago and I went snowboarding this year for the first time in maybe eight to 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I was on the mountain for all of 45 minutes and I was like, yes, that this is, this is not me anymore. Like I, like I wasn't horrible. First of all, I was trash, but like (laughs) I, I wasn't horrible, but I was trash enough that I was just like, I'm cold. Your heart's I'm, not in it. Yeah. I, I'm like, yo, if I'm going to be freezing, and I literally said this to one of my boys. I was like, if I'm going to be freezing anywhere, like, I'm going to be hunting. Yeah. And there's going to be adrenaline there that I know that the frostbite, because if there's, I don't mind cold weather, mm-hmm. but my hands get cold, Like, I don't know what it is. My hands get cold so easy. So when it comes to duck hunting, I can only imagine that it's got to be the same, right? Like... If you're not willing to endure the conditions because of what you're going to get out of on it. On a good duck day. On a good duck, right? Like, it's yeah. not going to be fun. So, maybe I got to come in when it's nice and, and fluffed up. Yeah. But, like, if I love it, I'm, I'm sure I'd, really, I'd be willing to grit it out. I mean, on pig hunts, dude, I've sat in torrential downpours for 12 hours and not cared. I couldn't do that duck hunting. See, dude, and I've sat there, like... We've sat there in the freezing cold, mm-hmm. in the piss poor rain, mm-hmm. or bluebird ninety five degree day in California in the Sac Valley. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it happens, and sometimes it doesn't. You know, it's just like I don't know. I feel like duck hunting is just you're either into it or yeah. you're like occasionally well, like exactly. yeah, I'll come out and I'll shoot some birds. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But Brett talking about having a bougie blind and everything like that. You need to come out with us this year because we just put a four man walk down. You don't even have to crawl into it. We walk downstairs and boom. And we got you. We got there. You go. Go a heater. Go kill a duck, Brett. Multiple just, heaters. Let's go. And like four dogs. So I'm, shit, I'm down. I'm down. Quad ride out. Boom. Walk down the check. Walk into the blind. Give me a couple uncrustables in that duck blind, and I'm good, dude. <laughs> just throw them on top of the heater. Put them in some foil. You know, yeah, dude. But, like that's what I'm all about. Mason, will, my buddy Mason, he'll make like breakfast burritos before, and then we'll go out to and put them on the heaters, dude. Yeah. That'll fucking killer. Now what you can do is, uh, if you have a Yeti thermos, you can heat up all your food, piping hot, and then just put it in tin foil in your Yeti thermos, and it'll keep your food piping hot. That was all like day long. Uh, Sam Soholt or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, Sam does that a bunch. That was badass, dude. That yeah. guy had in one he had apple pie, and in the other he had ice cream, and I was like, this dude just changed the game. This is revolutionary. Mm-hmm. 
I'm used to like, you know, a honey bun in a plastic bag, and I was like, uh, mind blown. Apple pie in one ice cream in the other? Yeah. Game changer. Living. That's how I'm going to put that 87 pounds back on. <laughs> Me too. But yeah, dude, you got to come out duck hunting with us this year. I mean, I'm down like a midget doing push ups. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that and elk hunting, you should come out to elk season with us too. Elk camp this year. I mean, it's just, it's. I, I'm. I want to go on every hunt I can. That's that's the ideal. Uh, that's the ideal situation is being in a position to not say no to any hunting opportunity. Uh, it's unless it's with me in a zone with no water. I mean, I wasn't gonna bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll drop it right now. Me and Brett went on a hunt together. For the listeners and everything, we went on a hunt. I went through a can and a half of dip. I drank all my water. It was ninety-eight degrees out. I was dying and I bailed out to the truck and was like texted Brett and we were talking to the night before like oh we'd never seen a cat you know anything like that and I bailed out and I called him and I was like dude I'm going home I'm sicker than a dog all right wait hold up hold up hold up this because it gets worse before it I felt bad so we <laughs> so we go out it's a zone uh it's I think I think the temper it got over a hundred that day. I won't hunt a zone because of that fucking day. I'm yeah, I mean, that. I think you could definitely hunt that same area just as easy if you learned how to manage your water and brought enough water and then didn't go through an entire can and a half of Copenhagen. Well, so real quick side note for me on any hunt before I leave camp, I'll drink thirty two ounces of water every single day. I will drink thirty two ounces of water. And then I'll either carry 32 or 64 ounces of water in my backpack. That is mandatory. That that means no matter what, I'm getting in the ballpark of 90 ounces of water. Which is good enough for a day. Before the end of the day. Yeah. Right? And so for anybody that's going to do some sort of hunt like that, that maybe has a question about it, that would be my biggest water tip. Keep Don't use a fucking bladder. Do not use a bladder. If it's cold, your hose will freeze. And you have no fucking water. Keep your bottles in your backpack. If it's really cold out, keep them wrapped up in a jacket. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Bring an extra insulation layer for your bottles so your water doesn't freeze. And if it's 100 degrees, pack probably like 6 gallons of water. Roll a 55-gallon drum with you. I mean, That's kind of what I need because on that hunt, yeah, dude, like, I had a bladder and I was just sapping off my bladder. <laughs> and I didn't know what, what I had left. And then I'm like, there ain't shit in here. And then I look at my Nalgene and I was like, oh my god. All right, so we so so to paint this portrait, right? Like, uh, I've been shooting with Jeff at his house uh, at least like what, like maybe once a week. Yeah, something right? like that. So like we we had been shooting, and and I didn't for some reason, and I don't know if it ever it never came up or I just didn't listen to you when you said it, but like I didn't know that you had never gone deer hunting, right? So I mean, not that I would have not taken you. But I definitely would have felt a greater responsibility to like go over things that I have been fortunate enough to learn from Andy. Well, I had been deer hunting in that area before for a day hunt, and it wasn't that fucking hot, and I didn't burn through all my water. And then I went to D Zone on my on my own for a little <clears throat> overnight backpack trip okay. and bailed out the next day. All right, but so is the history of bailing out. All right, so get uh, the fuck out of here. So. so we're up there, and it, I mean, 
it's hot, right? So, like, as soon as the sun comes up and it gets over the mountain, then it's going to be 100 degrees. Like, then you the, find a tree. Yeah, they're bedded down. So that was literally the plan, right? So we get up there and find a tree. There's good shade. We're going to have shade throughout the entire day, just the way that the, the arrangement was. And we're overlooking, like... We were on a good glassing point, for sure. Yeah, we were. There's a, there's there's multiple draws. There's a ridge. Um, and it was like there was a, a, a north-facing slope. There was a, an east-facing aspect. Like, it was just... It was a perfect little pocket for us to be in. And Jeff was like a uh an anxious kid on a road trip when they're asking are we there yet and my man just wanted to leave like he's like yo can we leave can we leave can we leave and it was literally just because there was there was no activity it's so hot that they're just bedded down right and i have adhd so it's like me sitting there glassing like dude i get so fucking impatient i'm just like fuck this let's just go try to make something happen so Which probably and, isn't a good habitat. So in order to pass time, you were chewing nonstop, right? And Mother, then you were yeah. nonstop wanting to freaking go somewhere. And then also, I think out of boredom, and maybe even just because you're dehydrated, like you were nonstop drinking the water, right? So it's now, what, maybe three o'clock, four yeah. o'clock? And we the, in at what, like four, three or four? No, we definitely, the plan was to go out at like four 4.35, um, and we ended up leaving around 6.45. You were a little sleepy that morning. Late? Yeah, I woke up before your ass did. No, I was up in my truck. Uh, yeah, I was definitely up in the truck. So we get out there a little late, and then I forget how it worked out. But either way, we're there, and the, there was a couple. You could see there were some game trails coming up. And I want to say... The first time I'm looking down this trail and I can see something moving and I don't know what it is. And you had your back to the trail. If you remember, and I'm like, yo, like, don't move. Like, don't move. And Was that when, like, those couple does and fawns came out? We didn't know what it was at the time. But, yeah, there's uh, I just see movement and it ended up being a couple deer. And I'm like, don't move, don't move. And you were so anxious to see what it was. And I know you you look to the side and when you looked, the deer saw you, and then it let out that snort. It was like, and then just like you could hear the the, the doe just hissing as it ran back down the trail. Dude, like, it made like a cry call. It was a. I at the time I'd never heard it, but it was literally just like a notifying, like yo, there's danger over there, right? Mm-hmm. So the deer blows out. About forty minutes later, same thing happened. Another deer blows out. So at this point, I'm like, dude, any deer that's anywhere near, anywhere around here, like, knows we're here. And I'm just like, hey, like, it's best if you go up to this ridgeline and see what's up there. And I go down, and I was just going to still hunt. Are you talking on that cat road? Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't know what it looked like up there. And we can kind of see it from the map, but we knew Mm -hmm. it tied into where we had the trucks parked. Yep. So I'm like, hey, dude, like, we're going to go. And I, I, I actually phrased it the exact way that Andy and Andrew told me. Go slow. Take your time, and we're going to stretch this for about an hour and a half or two. And at this point, I had zero fucking water. Which I didn't know. And I was dying. Yeah. And, yeah. So I go down the road, and I'm kind of walking down on the side slowly. And I can see Jeff up, like, mid-slope. Like, he didn't even get up top. And, like, your Nalgene bottle, whatever sticker you had on it, was was the brightest (laughs) fucking thing in the world. Like, it literally was like a rainbow, just like, prism just shining off of his water bottle the entire time. So I'm like, fuck, dude, this guy's up here, like, looking like a headlight on a hillside. So I'm walking, I'm walking, and you know there's a feeling you have, like, 
when you're a kid and you're taking out the garbage and you feel like something's watching you. So like it's not even dark yet, but the sun's starting to set. And I feel something behind me. I don't know what it is. I'm not worried about bears. There's bears up in that area, but like it's a little further away. And uh, and I'm like, dude, what the hell is behind me? So I turn around, I see nothing. And all of a sudden I just hear like, and it's like feet dragging. I'm like, dude, are there hikers out here? And I look back and I see the ghost of Jeff Past just walking behind me. And my man is just slumped and slugging along this trail. And finally, he gets back, and, and, and I wait for him, and uh, I've never seen anybody be that color in my entire life. Like, you were so flushed and just dead, and you're like, bro, I fell. I have no water. I'm dying. Dude, I, dude, I'm struggling. I slid, I slid hell, uh, hell far down that face pretty bad. Yeah, it, it didn't look fun up there. But uh, so, so you're struggling at this point, and there's enough daylight left that I'm like, hey, dude, just go back to the truck. I'm going to kind of still hunt this area over here, and I'll meet you back there. So fast forward about 20 minutes, 30 minutes, right? And I see a, some movement out, like maybe about 100 yards away. And then I see this tail sticking up. And I'm like, no, it's not. And, and then this, this... And this had to be probably about 15, 20 minutes after we had separate... After I, you were like, dude, just go back to the truck. I was just go back, yeah. right? Like just, go, like, just go get water. You'll be fine. Like, we'll, like, there's literally like probably 20 gallons of water in jugs at the truck. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I go and I see this tail and lo and behold, it's a, it's a cat. Like, and, it, and as it moves through this, through this tall grass, like I realize that it's a fucking big cat. And in my mind, when cats disappear, and I, I've never seen one in the wild like that, but when they disappear, they're, they're, they're hiding to run or they're running to hide. In other words, they're, they're getting away from you or they're going to a vantage point to where they can stalk you, right? Yeah. And where I was walking to get back to the truck was a pinch point with this entire cliff, the entire way back, where if there was something up there... They could jump on whatever. I mean, it's just below. like, right, yeah. like, I, I, and I don't know how they behave, and I, and I haven't done a lot of research on them, but, like, I know they come for the throat, and anybody that's ever spent time around a house cat... That. They come, for, they the come for That's what they do. They come for your freaking neck, right? And, and anybody who's ever spent any time around a house cat, like, cats are assholes, dude. Like, they just, they don't care. So I'm like calling Jeff, blowing him up, calling Jeff, blowing him up. And the cell phone reception's trash and it's getting dark. And uh, and I finally make it back to the truck after like just, I make it back to the truck pretty much with a full diaper, right? Like I just was uncomfortable walking back the whole time. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yo dog, where you at? And I have no idea where he is and his truck's gone. And I get a text message like, dog, heat stroke, I had to go home. I'll talk to you later. And I'm like, no way. Are you kidding me? So, uh, so yeah, dog, you left me out there. Dude, on that whole, on my whole little hike out of there, too, <clears throat> I was like, stop on the ground, dude. Pull my fucking bag off, like, just try to fan myself with my hat, like, take my shirt off, got back to the truck, poured two gallons of water all over me, drank a gallon and a half, and yeah. I was, like, dry heaving everywhere. It was bad, man. Heat stroke's no fucking joke. No, it's not. That stuff is terrible. I was past the point of no return. <clears throat> but... On a bright note, when I was on that cat road, I'll, I'll show you where it was, I did jump up a decent little forky. So, cool. I just wasn't paying fucking any Future attention. Future potential. Yep. Yeah. I heard there's a, somebody said there's a, I forget who I was talking to. They said there's some good genetics back there. So, I've, uh, I've been thinking about going back there this year at some point. I got stopped by a warden the first time I was out there, and he said the same thing. Yeah, so, it's a... Uh, 
Then I pulled up my on X dude and I was talking to him and I was like, here's where I was, like blah blah blah. He's like, Yeah, I saw the truck. He's like, if you go back over here, he's like, it's a good spot. Well, let's revisit it this time with some water. About to hike in there next weekend with like a fucking <laughs> massive cache of water, dude. I know a guy that does that, man. He goes up there like over the course of the year and just stashes stuff in the cuts. Yeah. It's not a bad idea to do that. It's not that far though. I mean, it was no longer than three miles from the, from where we parked, so it's not that deep. But yeah. You have any plans for this year? I mean, I, I know I'm gonna same assortment of California tags. You know, two two tags and and a, and a bear tag, uh, two deer tags and a bear tag, and then see if I can catch a lottery with any of these bigger hunts. Um, besides that, I, I want to do one out of state hunt. It's just. I, I don't know, work, living in the city, I just don't know how the timing's going to work. I know, I know, I know you're saying it. You got, your trip is a little bit long, and I, and I think I might have to do something a little bit shorter, but... Yeah, but you can just come out for like a couple days, dude, come kick it, you know, we got a spot at camp for you, fucking got whatever you need, we have cots, you I'm know? down, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely down. We're going to have to make sure that we have some communication with, uh, with your brother as far as how the timing and everything goes, because the stories I've heard from you is, have been... That's been crushing how things played out like the last couple of years, right? Like it's uh, to be that close and have those opportunities and, and not and not have like a, a sense of communication along the way. That's uh, so my brother. So the whole the whole tag we call it the tag debacle. I got booted out off their website four times in a row in fifteen minutes. Yeah, bumping me back from number twelve hundred to four thousand to seven thousand to nineteen thousand. Yeah. So I don't have a tag for that unit. My brother has a tag, and my brother's kind of upset with me. He'll probably listen to this and probably be like, "Yeah, fuck you, Jeff." But my brother's upset because every running we have had with elk is because I'm just like, "Fuck it, man!" Like I'm just gonna go right down here, you know, and I go one way and he goes another. So and my brother's got the tag. Now I'm a caller hauler. So, but you should still come out. I mean, I'm definitely not going to go out to call and haul, but I definitely will go out to kill something. So You could get a deer tag, too. Like, last year, man, when we went up, we went up, we hiked up on this ridge. We'd been in that spot, um, shit, I don't know, three times before and hadn't really seen anything. But, uh, and then two years ago, when we first got into it, we got elk, deer tags, wolf tags. We got, like, the whole deal, right? Last year, we didn't get deer tags. Wait, wolf tag? Have you ever had a wolf tag? Uh, no. I got one. I was like, uh, I don't know what to expect. So, mm. and we did hear wolves the second year, last year. But I heard wolves in, in Oregon. That is not the business. There's something about a wolf that just will literally make your spine. Did their hell. There's something about a wolf. Their lungs, out. like hearing their lungs compress. <laughs> there's a sound. Out. Yeah, there's. That'll wake you up, man. It literally, like high alert immediately. Yeah. Um, yeah. It shuts. They shut the elk up too, dude. The elk this past year weren't talking whatsoever. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I'm down. It's it's uh, it's kind of a moving target. So we'll see we'll see how everything stacks out. But I want to maximize the the little time I I have. Where I can afford to go out. Um, it just depends with work. But it's uh, I definitely want to get out of state once, man. Calling an elk is the coolest thing in the world. Coolest thing in the world. Mm -hmm.
it's weird to talk to animals and that's uh it's kind of grounding it's 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 pretty cool spiritual to me yeah Andy, what about you? What do you got going on? He won't tell you. <laughs> like literally, like I, like I right. say that now. Like especially on a podcast, and not even like in person if we're not recording right now. Like Andy, what are you doing? I don't know. Come hunting season, yo, where are you at, dude? I'm over in freaking Guatemala. What are you doing, dude? I'm hunting chupacabras. I got special tags over here. So I like, saw, <laughs> I saw something ibex. Yeah. I'm do you want to give some... a little rundown on that? Uh, yeah, my buddy Lucas Pa, he runs a podcast called uh, Rod and Arrow Outdoors, or Rod and Arrow Podcast. I can't remember the exact name. Uh, he's a buddy who we kind of always just like played phone tag and connected in the last year and a half, two years. And, uh, you know, we just kind of came to this decision of like, hey, let's go hunt Ibex. And, uh, Found the right guide and outfit, and we're going to Kyrgyzstan in September for 15 days. What? Yeah. So that's yeah. how that's how much he loves me. I had to find it out through a podcast. That's yeah. great. <laughs> uh, that's cool, though. I mean, for me, that's always been a bucket list item. Dude, dope shit. Yeah, right? And uh, <clears throat> I'm thrilled, man. I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm going to kill two, probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got That's my gun so works cool. coming out there with me, my gun works rifle and twenty eight nozzler. And uh and go out there and fling some lead and maybe bring my bow and sneak around with a bow, which is damn near impossible to do out there, but maybe I'll do that for my second one. It, it all just depends. Um but yeah, like I said, my my dream has always been I mean, when was the first time I started talking about that one? Two thousand sixteen, I think. Was killing two Ibex and a Marco Polo. And um to be able to get, I've been on a lot of once in a lifetime hunts, um, a lot of them, and to have the opportunity to be the hunter on a once in a lifetime hunt is uh, it's going to be pretty epic, man. And I'm I'm really excited for it. And there's a lot of people that are helping and passing along their experience and their knowledge and wisdom on what to do and what not to do and what to look for and the whole array of everything that goes on. So it's going to be, I'm excited. That's yeah. That's one of the hunts I got going on this year and it should be fun. And probably Montana elk. Um, I mean, we'll find out. Um, I don't have residency for Montana and I didn't put in. Um, so really it all just depends on when my residency goes through for Montana when I move and, um, you know, all that. I, I got my lifetime California hunting license. So, I got my California tags. I got my Utah tags. Um, and, uh, yeah, that'll probably be same thing I do every year. Montana, Utah, and I'm just going to throw a Kyrgyzstan in the middle. Because why not? Yeah. That's normal, though. I'm just going to throw a Kyrgyzstan in the middle of something. Yeah. Right. Said, said nobody yeah. ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, ducks. I'm sure there's a few people that have said it. Yeah. Nobody that I'm cool enough to know. Oh, whatever. Cool. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of my hunting plans. Any final words? Um, We're running like an hour and ten right now. Are we? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. What's your normal podcast? Less. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's three of us, so that juices the conversation up a little bit, right? Definitely. Doing three guys is actually a lot of fun because... Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> 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 and I think one dollar, huh? Casting <laughs> 
No, like record, recording a podcast with two <laughs> other people, including myself. <laughs> I like how good. he had to get super he fucking did, did. articulate <laughs> about what I'm he gonna, I'm going to take that sound back <laughs> and I'm going to loop it. <laughs> yeah, so, no, it's good because bouncing off because you two have a good history, mm-hmm. you know. So it's cool to hear that. So, any final words? Um, yeah, I don't really have much. No, I uh, thank you. Thanks for yeah. having us. Appreciate it. Yeah, trying thanks for coming guys, up, man. Yeah, trying to lock you guys down. It's like trying to find Willy Wonka's fucking golden ticket. <laughs> yeah, it's been a it's been a task. Yeah, I mean, right. I'm just I'm gone so much. You know what I mean? Like Brett sees me calling and goes, <laughs> "Not well." You call and I'm like knee deep in work and and like you're for a dollar. Yeah, yeah, anything <laughs> for a dollar, right? Uh, and then I mean the, the timing. I feel like uh. There was there's a time that I was able to have um, just more downtime during the week, and I just I don't have that that luxury right now. So it's nice to you know to to set time aside and hang out with the homies on the weekends and and link up and get out of the city. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm just grateful that everything the stars aligned finally. I had to go to D.C., but I'm yeah. glad I was able to get back here yeah. and make it happen. Cool. Does that make sense? Not really, but I mean, does it? Does it, does it does, make sense? But I don't know. That doesn't make sense. I don't know. <laughs> right. Thanks, right, Dad. Man. Where can where can these listeners get after you guys? See what you guys are doing and all about. Buy your sauce. Uh, you can just check out the flip flop guy on Instagram. It's just at the flip flop guy, and uh, can find all my cooking and all that stuff there. Yeah, definitely utilize that page because. If you get a bottle of sauce, the coolest thing about the Flip Flop Guy page is there's a constant feed of what everybody else is doing. And I think that's a pretty cool thing that you do is just repost all the, the, the cool recipes and things that people have. So yeah, uh, follow that one. And then I'm just underscore humble hunter underscore um, common spelling. It's uh, easy to find me. Cool. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you later. Thanks for having us. Later. Well, hope you all enjoyed that one. I did. Super fun. Great time with those two guys every time. Go ahead. Check them out on Instagram. They drop their handle. And we're on to the next one. Later. Later.